Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. With, us. with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel, and I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. We are going to be doing Classical Studies 101 today, and we are almost at the end of the Odyssey. We're going to do Chapter 23. But first, if you'd be so kind as to leave a nice rating or a nice comment on whatever podcast platform you are using to listen to this, we'd really appreciate it. And without further ado, let us bring on board the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Hi. So, Gary, we're almost at the end. So let's yeah. give a very quick recap of Chapter 22 and then take us right into Chapter 23. Well, like I... Uh keep saying throughout this program, um, I'm using Robert Fagel's uh, translation of the Odyssey, <clears throat> which is very readable. And he has uh, titles for every book. And the one he has for chapter 22 was Slaughter in the Hall. And the hall means the throne room. And uh, mm -hmm. because the Greek name for it was Megaron, you know, we have mega meaning big and mm -hmm. Ron meaning hall or, you know, it's the throne room. Right. And so what it is, is um, uh, the chapter is about how Odysseus, his son, Telemachus, and two loyal servants uh, slaughter or kill 108 suitors. And Homer specifies that there are 108 of them. Very specific number. You talked about that. And so what that is, it's a product of the sacred number 12 and the sacred number 9. I mean, that's what I think. You know, why 108? Yeah, why it, well, it, it is a mystical number. It comes up in different traditions. Um, you know, so it's, it's you know, it comes up a lot, in, a, in a lot of different cultures. So it's interesting that that's so specific. And like you say, it is that product of those two numbers. Well, you know, that's that's my hypothesis. And Colin Renfrew thought I was wrong, but I think I'm right. And the, uh, you know, the, the recent uh, ambassador to England, Demetrius Cyrus, believes I'm right, too. Mm -hmm. So um, he's been a good supporter of my project, so I appreciate that. Well, just, I mean, for the record, 108 is something that, as, as a number, its meaning is expressed in Hinduism. Fibonacci talked about the number 108. So it's not an accident. I mean, that's so specific a number. I mean, you can say things like, you know, common numbers that we use all the time, three, nine, six, those things you can make an argument over. But that number is very, is, is has a, a kind of a specificity that I think stands out over and above almost anything else in the book. So yeah. anyhow. So anyhow, he slaughters all of them, and then he uh, orders his uh, nursemaid, Eurycleia, to go and, and fumigate, the, you know, remove all the bodies and, and fumigate the palace with fire and brimstone. And then at the very end, um, you know, he directs her to go to Penelope. And so it, it says, 
And back to the royal house, the old nurse went to tell the women the news and bring them in at once. And they flung their arms around Odysseus, hugging him and so on, kissed his head and shoulders. And he, overcome by a loving longing, broke down and wept deep in his heart. He knew them one and all. So, you know, these, the end of uh, chapter 22 and, and all of 23 is very emotional mm-hmm. and shows part of the uh, brilliance of Homer. Yeah, we've talked about that. These, these, the way he's able to evoke these, you know, these details about people, about scenes, and also to really touch the reader or the listener with the emotion of a particular moment. So uh, again, we've, we've discussed how this work should be taught, should be read by people. It is humane. It is the, the, the work, which is the foundation for our literature in the West. So. And not only that for movies, you know, Mm -hmm. television, uh, so much of uh, the plotting and so on is uh, rooted in, in the uh, Iliad and Odyssey. Um, so anyhow, Odysseus has been homebound for uh, 10 years, according to Homer, 10 being a sacred number as well. And uh, Fagel's labels chapter 23, the next to the last chapter, it's a great rooted bed. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll explain what that means as we right. get into the chapter. But it's about the reunion of Odysseus and his beautiful wife and queen Penelope after all this time. Um, so I'll read a lot of this chapter because I think it's very moving. So here's the opening. Up to the rooms, meaning, uh, you know, the palace was two-story. So up to the rooms, the old nurse uh, clamored to tell the queen her husband was here now, home at last. Her knees bustling, feet shuffling, and so on. And then she comes up to... uh, you know, her queen, and says, Penelope, child, wake up and see for yourself with your own eyes all you dreamed of, all your days. He's here, Odysseus. He's come home at long last. He killed the suitors, swaggering young brutes who plagued the house. And then Penelope doesn't believe her. See, this is interesting, the psychology that, uh, you know, Homer, uh, you know, puts into this uh, chapter. Mm-hmm. Dear old nurse, um, and I, I rewrote this for my poem, mm-hmm. uh, and and, um, and if I can remember my own, uh, you know, rhyming verse on it. Uh, Dear old nurse, the gods have made you mad, uh, and you were once so sane. It's so sad. So nervous, she thinks that. Uh, the nurse has gone bonkers, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The old nurse. Um, what I like about, uh, again, hearing this and the, the reaction you talk about, the, the way Homer is um, creating the characters and their responses and naturalism. To me, one of the things I love about this and reading works that are this ancient is it just reminds us that we're of our own humanity that we have yes. we're the same people we're you know whether it's three thousand years ago or whether it's three years ago human beings were connected all across the globe we're all brothers and sisters but we're also 
all descendants of other human beings are of the same clan of humans. And to hear her reaction, of course, she's going to think the late, you know, the, the old nursemaid is crazy because she hasn't seen her. You know, there's, there's, she's had 20 years and 20 years of losing hope and she's held on. And so of course yeah. she thinks, yeah. So it's very human. That's why, that's why I call her the paragon of, of women, uh, you know, of faithful women. She, she just hoping maybe against hope that Odysseus will make it home, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but she has these 108 suitors that are after her to marry her and have a beautiful wife and queen and have a, you know, palace and have the power and the money and all that. And she's resisted them all for three years. I, I, I mentioned previously that, uh, you know, the, the pop star Pink has a song called Who Knew? Mm-hmm. And it really sounds like Penelope mm-hmm. because the chorus line says in three years and some months, if you're not home and, and they're all wrong, meaning all, all the suitors that are after pink, you know, it's a, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. I, I heard it was her favorite song. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard. Well, yeah, I had read that it was her favorite song on, I guess from that period, uh, she had like a greatest hits for the, the, up to the time frame of that, you know, that song or songs around that period. So of that period, it was like her favorite song from that era. So anyhow, um, Penelope just, just can't believe that this is the song. And she tells the nurse, um, uh, she said, not once have I slept soundly since the day Odysseus sailed away to that cursed city. Destroy, I call it. In other words, she doesn't call it Troy. She calls it Destroy. I hate to say its name. Now, down you go, back to your own quarters. So apparently, uh, Euryclea didn't live on the second story like the other serving uh, women, but on the first floor. Can you say a little bit about what this, what his palace looked like? Because again, this is uh, something which for you specifically, this is your uh, life's sort of mission to find the lost palace of Odysseus. So yeah, I I have been searching for it. I may have found it on the island of Kepilonia, as I mentioned before. So it's a two-story palace as you see it? Well, uh, I envision it as, according to Homer, he keeps saying, go upstairs, downstairs. It has Mm -hmm. to be two stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently Penelope didn't uh, sleep in the royal bedroom when Odysseus was gone. She had a separate bedroom upstairs. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that interesting, you know, psychologically interesting. Exactly. It was something that she shared with the the man she loved. Yeah. So she's not going to, you know, probably also, I mean, on a very human level, again, she that sleeping in that bed alone would probably overwhelm her with sorrow and sadness. You know, he's exactly. not there. Exactly. So I find that interesting, you know. But but uh, Euryclea doesn't give up. She says, uh, never the fond old nurse kept pressing on. Dear child, I would never mock you. No, it is true. He's here. Odysseus, he's come home at last, just as I tell you. And he's paid all those vipers, meaning the suitors, back, you know. And then Penelope, you know, starts believing her. And she says, Penelope's heart burst in joy. She leapt from the bed, her eyes streaming tears. She hugged the old nurse and cried out with winged words. Please, dear one, give me the whole story. Is he really home again, just as you tell me? And um, 
so the old nurse replied, um, you know, I'm still talking about uh, the suitors and how they were cut down in blood and so on. Um, and she talked about uh, Telemachus. And then she says, and then I found Odysseus in the thick of the slaughtered corpses. There he stood, and all around him, the bodies sprawled in heaps. How it would have thrilled your heart to see him. A lion with his kill. So, you know, he's, he's being compared to a lion. And now they're all stacked at the courtyard gate. So the palace had a inner courtyard and an outer courtyard. And so the bodies were apparently stacked at the outer courtyard, probably at, you know, at the gate. So they, you know, dispose them outside the palace area. How large a, uh, a layout would this have been? Do you think? I don't, I don't think it's as large as other palaces that have been found like at uh, Mycenae or Sparta mm -hmm. or Pylos or Pylos. Um, I mean, compared I to like, a, say, I think it's a more modest palace, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, what what size were these things compared to, let's say, a modern, you know, big house or you know, uh, how how? Oh, well, they're they bigger than a big house. Yeah, but, but it's a series of buildings uh, connected to one another with walls around them, you know. Mm -hmm. And then they had um, uh, what's called a circuit wall around the whole complex. Mm -hmm. So in, in a sense, a little bit like a castle, you know? Okay, got it. Like a medieval castle, except the architecture is very different looking. With columns that taper from the top to the bottom, unlike classical Greek columns that taper from the bottom towards the top. You know, with capital capitals, you know, the mm -hmm. elements on top of the uh, column, Corinthian or Doric or whatever. In Bronze Age Greece, they were just all rounded. You know, they they, mm -hmm. they weren't more elaborate than that. Right. And they painted the columns. They painted them red and blue and white, you know. Uh, so I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, the ancient world was a lot more colorful than we think because we see it now, you know, with the color faded and the white marble or whatever the particular material was. But there were, you know, obviously, especially in the Mediterranean, colorful areas. Yeah, so Eurycleia goes on. She says... Um, he's purifying the house with cleansing fumes. He sent me here to bring you back to him. Follow me down, meaning go downstairs, okay? He's back alive, and he's he's home at his hearth. And these hearths in these uh, Bronze Age palaces were big. They're like 10, 12 feet in diameter. They were round, and then you had four columns around them supporting the roof. They're all the same, and I expect to find that if I do find the palace, you know. Mm -hmm. If I do find that configuration, I, I will know I'll, that I would have found the throne room. Because in some of the palaces, they found the actual throne still preserved, you know. Or you find the base of the throne where the throne would have been, you know, mm -hmm. uh, clearly marked. So. Yeah, these are all, for the listener, these are all things that, Gary, as an archaeologist, that that he is looking for that are keys or clues to whether he's on the right track or in the right place. Right. So Penelope's still kind of resisting a little bit, and and so Eurycles says, "Child, the devoted old nurse protested, what nonsense you let slip through your teeth. Here's your husband warming his hands at his own hearth. You know, and." Uh, 
He says, I'll give you a sign that it is really Odysseus, a proof that it's plain as day. That scar made years ago by a boar's white tusk, I spotted the scar myself and I vo- when I voiced his feet. So she voices his feet. It's almost like that scene in, in the Bible, you know, where Jesus' feet gets voiced. Mm-hmm. Or he washes the feet as well, yeah. And, and there's been uh, paintings of that, you know, Euryclea washing Odysseus' feet. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyhow, um, she keeps urging, you know, Penelope to, to go down, you know. So finally she says, dear old nurse, um, let's let's go and join my son so I can see the suitors lying dead and see the one who killed them. Mm-hmm. So she's still not quite convinced Odysseus, you know? Mm. No, understandably. Yeah. So with that thought, Penelope starts down her, from her lofty room, her heart in turmoil, torn. As soon as she stepped across the stone threshold, she took a seat. The radiant in the firelight Face Odysseus now. There he sat, leaning against the great central column. Now, there's more than one column. There's four columns, but he, he just says great central column, but it's four central columns in, in actuality. His eyes were fixed on the ground, waiting. And then, you know, the anticipation that Homer builds up here, because she doesn't immediately talk to him. And she says, a long while she sat in silence. One moment he seemed Odysseus to the life. The next, no, he was not the man she knew. A huddled mass of rags. So, no, is he still wearing the rags of a of an old beggar man instead of beautiful clothing that a king would wear? You know. Mm-hmm. And then Telemachus, the son, gets on her case and he says, "Oh, mother." Telemachus reproached her, "Cruel mother, with all your hard heart, why do you spurn father so?" Why don't you sit beside him and gauge him? So he's urging her to go up to him and reunite, you know. And for the listener, a reminder that Odysseus has been, um, he's been in disguise and Athena has put him in disguise so that he could go through and and sneak in and be able to take down the suitors. So that's part of why she can't recognize him. So she just goes on, I'm stunned with wonder, Penelope, you know. If, if he is truly Odysseus, home at last, we will know each other even better. We have secret signs. So she says they have secrets you know, between them that only the two of them would know, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, so, and then it, it goes back to this thing about uh, having to wash and clean up and all that. Well, yeah, thing. he's slaughtered a bunch of guys. Yeah. And so the thing is, um, Homer again is putting off this reunion, you know, uh, building up the uh, anticipation. So here's our plan. I think it best first go and wash and, and pull uh, fresh tunics on and tell the maids in the hall to dress well too. And let the inspired bard take up his ringing lyre. So on. Um, actually, I'm sorry. That was Odysseus saying that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they hung on to his words, moved by the words. The inspired bards struck up his resounding lyre and stirred in all the desire for dance and song, a lovely, lilting beat. 
till the great house echoed of dancing men in motion and women sashed in life dancing. You know, so, you know, there, there's a dance that begins. So. There's a dance uh, that begins while they're. Yeah, doing that while great heart Odysseus, uh, the maid Euronymy was bathing him and then rubbed him down with oil and so on. And then she put around him a choice tunic and a royal cape. And then a, a goddess Athena comes in and crowns the man with beauty, head to foot, and so on. Mm-hmm. And he appeared taller in all eyes, his build more massive. And down from his brow, the great goddess ran his curls like hyacinth clusters. And I told you, uh, you know, they have this new movie coming out called The Return about Odysseus mm-hmm. and Penelope mm-hmm. with Ray Fiennes and. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Blanket on the uh, actress. I think it's Julie Binoche. Yeah, Binoche. Um, and it's not going to be beautiful like this chapter. It's not. Well, Hollywood doesn't have a great track record for the listeners who have followed our podcast. There are some films that they, and usually older, where they kind of get the the right tone for the ancient world. But particularly for modern films, they just they they lose the magic, and the mystery, and the divine quality of the of these stories because they're so busy trying to prove that they can write a better version of it is what it seems like to me sometimes but anyway okay then odysseus uh, after he's been uh, enhanced by the goddess athena his uh, patron goddess steps from his bath glistening like a god back he went to his seat he had left facing his wife he declared strange woman so hard the gods of olympus made you harder than any other woman in the world what other wife could have a spirit so unbending, holding back from her husband, home at last for her after 20 years of brutal struggle? Come, nurse, make me a bed. I'll sleep alone. She has a heart of iron in her breast. And then Penelope responds, strange man. Uh, and she just says, come, Euryclea, move the sturdy bedstead out of the bridal chamber that room the master built with his own hands. Take it out now and spread it numbers on the porch and spread it deep with fleece and blankets and lustrous throws to keep him warm. But Odysseus blazed up in fury, lashing out at his royal wife. Woman, your words, they cut me to the core. How could you move my bed? Impossible task. You know I, I built it myself of a branching olive tree inside her court. The bowl like a column. So in other words, the main uh, lower part of the tree and the roots he kept, and he made the lower part of the tree like a you know a bedstead. You know, and um, that's an incredible image. And I guess also for you, as an archaeologist, again one of the the things you're going to be looking for to be able to tell whether you found Odysseus Palace is there's something like that in yes. there. But just but this the idea of making a bed out of that is, is really incredible. So in other words, you can't move the bed because it's part of a, a big olive tree that is going down into the ground. It's impossible to move. You know? Yeah, no, that's what I'm, I mean, I just think it's, it's a beautiful, I mean, I, I've never heard of anything else like that. No. You know, a bed made in that way. It, so. It's unique, um, you know, bridal bed, you know, or right. Uh, husband and wife bed. Mm-hmm. Marriage. Well, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. How do we know 
how long uh, Odysseus and Penelope were together before he left. Obviously, he had his son before he left, but no, they, Homer doesn't specify. Doesn't spe- he, yeah, is there anything in legend about how long? I'm just, it's curious. I'm just curious how uh, well I, they. Knew. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's an, I, I hadn't thought about it until just now when you were talking about her recognize. You know, reading from Homer. Well, obviously, they married. Him. He made her queen, and then he, mm-hmm. you know, they they had uh, you know their son Telemachus before and then he he's off. Yeah, exactly. And then he's off. So Odysseus says, I lopped off the leafy crown of the olive, meaning the branches, and clean cutting the stump bare from the roots up, planing it. So in other words, he planes uh, the tree uh, straight to be the, the, you know, the head of the bed. And um, that could be found because most of these palaces burnt down at some point. And if the olive tree bed burnt the uh, remains, the charcoal remains of it, and burnt pieces mm-hmm. of wood might still be preserved, depending on the, uh, the soil. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he enhanced his bed with ivory inlays and so on. And so uh, he says, does the bed, my lady, still stand planted firm, or has somebody chopped away the olive trunk and hauled our bedstead off? And now, living proof, Penelope felt, felt her knees go slack, her heart surrender. Recognizing the strong, clear signs Odysseus offered, she dissolved in tears, rushed to Odysseus, flung her arms around his neck and kissed his head and cried out, Odysseus, don't flare up at me now, not you. Always the most understanding man alive. The gods, it was the gods who sent us so sorrow. They grudged us both life in each other's arms from the heady zest of youth to the stoop of old age but don't fault me angry with me now because i failed at the first glimpse to greet you hold on my heart of hearts i always cringe with fear but now since you have revealed such overwhelming proof the secret sign of our bed which no one's ever seen in other words no one's been allowed i guess in the in the bedroom to see that except them and so on. You have conquered my heart, my heart, uh, my hard heart at last. Mm-hmm. The more she spoke, the more a deep desire for tears welled up in her breast. And he wept as he held his wife he loved, the soul of loyalty in his arms at last. And then Athena comes to bless the couple, you know, which is fantastic. And Athena thought of one more thing. She held back the night. The night lingered long. She made the night longer so they could rest and he could tell her everything about what happened over the last 20 years. And they That's could a, sleep, sleep together and, you know, and it would just be a longer evening. So she made a longer night. Yet another amazing image. That's, I, I don't think I've and then I, 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 can't, I can't think of another uh, another work where I've heard that phrase as well. That the goddess, you know, holding back the night, letting the night last long. It's really beautiful. It's really romantic, and it's just a very an incredible, yeah, innovate like idea. And Odysseus says, "Dear woman, we have still not reached the end of all our trials." And so, in other words, uh, you know, they're, they're going to persist to live. You know, but come. Let's go to bed, dear woman, at long last. 
delight in sleep, delight in each other, come. And that's that's basically it. I mean, uh, you know, the, the rest is just sort of amplifying that. Well, it's a beautiful chapter, a beautiful chapter. Yes. Uh, thank you for guiding us along the way with this. Let's give a round of applause for Dr. Gary Stickle. <clears throat> thank you, Gary. And, thank you. Uh, Thank you all for listening. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and this is the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel, Classical Studies 101. We were discussing Chapter 23 of the Odyssey. We'll be back again very soon. Thanks, and God bless.